God, every time I sing those words, I'm just reminded that every breath, every moment of life is a gift. And so God, I pray that we would use these moments, these breaths for your glory, for your praise. God, today we are grateful for you. We're grateful for who you are. We're grateful for what you did on the cross. We're grateful for the ways that you move in every moment. The fact that you're here right now. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this room. We lift you up, we worship you today. In Jesus' name. expression of that song just to, to think about how it really is in our breath. It is the breath of God that has been breathed into these lungs to not only breathe and live, but to use that breath to express praise and adoration to our great God. I have enjoyed worshiping the Lord with you today. Praise God. God is so good. We've had church already, huh? Amen. Amen. Doug, I want to give you an excuse about the Super Bowl. This year, they added a regular season game to the schedule. Uh, and see, they, they messed it up, didn't they? They didn't tell you, did they? <laughs> Come on. But that's why it's a, a week later. Um, the snowman contest was great. We had a good time. It was, it was wonderful. I didn't, I didn't build a snowman. I was one of the judges. But we had a really good time. And I, I just want to compliment Everybody that was there that, that built a snowman, you did a great job. Great job. Everybody did. And it was very creative, and it was, it was neat to see what everybody came up with. And um, it was just a fun day. So uh, thanks for inviting us to be a part of that. We had a good time. I have a, uh, a shirt that was given to me by my sister two birthdays ago. Uh, we, we normally don't really exchange gifts on birthdays, but she... She sent me a shirt for uh, my 50th birthday. She says it's a special one, so she sent me a, a gift, and it was a T-shirt, and uh, just a, it was a small gift, but it was thoughtful, and, and it was a T-shirt that says, uh, y'all need Jesus, and uh, they live in Florida. They're from the South, so y'all need Jesus. That made sense to me, and, and I enjoy wearing that shirt. It's, it's a good, it's a nice shirt. It's comfortable, and I like the, you know, it's... 
it's thought-provoking and everything. What's interesting is every once in a while I think that somebody could maybe take the shirt the wrong way. You know, like, you all need Jesus. You see what I'm saying? I don't need Jesus. Y'all need Jesus. <laughs> but what is true is we all need Jesus, right? We all need Jesus. Every single one of us need Jesus. And so when I think about wearing that shirt, I'm hoping that people understand that my shirt is really saying everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs the Lord. So, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to start with that because we have this, um, I don't know whether it's a temptation or if it's just a natural tendency, but at least subconsciously to, to kind of categorize people. We, we kind of look at people and we think, oh, man, they really need Jesus. You know, we, we, <laughs> we look at their life and we, maybe we look at what's going on in their life or how they present themselves or whatever, and we think, oh, man, they really need a G- Jesus there. You know, they, they're a mess. Their life's a mess or whatever the case may be. And then there's this category of people that we think they have it all together, you know. They th- we think they, ha- they have it all together because they, they know how to, to dress, they pay their bills, uh, they go to work, you know, they, they come to church every Sunday, you know, just, just things like that. And we think, oh, well, they got it all together. And we just have a tendency maybe not to think they don't need Jesus, but just to think, you know, they don't need Jesus as much as those people need Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Well, today our scripture is going to take us into a realm in which we're going to see uh, actually two, kind of two categories of people. And what's interesting about it is when we read this scripture, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see that the category of people that we think maybe have it all together are really the people that are in desperate need of Jesus. And the people that we think are a mess, they're actually maybe in in their humble heart already seeking and and, and clinging to Jesus. So it's really interesting uh, account of Jesus at a dinner party. So uh, we're going to go into Luke, uh, Luke chapter 7, and I appreciate Uh, If you've been reading through the book of Luke, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm sure that uh, maybe you're through it, maybe you're not. Uh, We all read at our own pace. Uh, Sometimes I think it's best to just read small portions of Scripture because there's so much there. And it's good to like kind of dwell on what you're reading and not kind of rush through it. So if you haven't read through the whole thing, that's fine. If you've read through the whole thing, that's fine. But uh, I really appreciate if you're reading through the book of Luke with me. Uh, it's a really great book, and it's really, there's so much there. As, as I've been trying to think about what to preach, it's been difficult because there's really so much to, that we could grab a hold of and talk about. Uh, but uh, this particular uh, time in which Jesus was at this banquet is something that, uh, that I really wanted to talk to you about today. So let's read this together. It's Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. And reading through 50, will you stand with me as we read God's word? Thank you. Then one of the Pharisees invited him, him being Jesus, to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus 
was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then it says, those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you for standing with me as we read God's word together. It's a great scripture. It's, it's something that uh, I, I, I want to get some obvious, like maybe things out of the way before we really dig into this. And just some of the things uh, that I want to get out of the way is, first of all, I said there's kind of two categories of people in these three main characters. Uh, we have Jesus, obviously, but then there's two others, and it's Simon and the, and the woman. And Simon is, you know, he was a Pharisee, and so he would have been the one that we would say he's, he has it all together. He has it all together. He knows how to present himself. He know, he's someone that people would have uh, respected in the, in the community and all of that. And so he had it all together. The woman was known for her sinful life. Actually, in one version of the Bible, it says that she was a known sinner. Uh, another version of the Bible, the Message Bible, actually says she was the town harlot. And so uh, that's kind of what's going on there. And she, so she was, um, she was a mess, all right? If we kind of like put it in our terms, she was a mess. Uh, now, how is a woman like that in the house? How is a woman like that at the banquet? It's kind of a question that I kind of wrestled with myself as I remember like, you know, the first time I kind of read through this and was trying to dig into it a little bit, I thought, well, how is she even there? Well, it's interesting because uh, in this time period, in this culture, uh, a teacher was invited to a house for such a meal. And when that happened, the doors were open for uninvited guests to come in. It just kind of was a thing. They would allow people to come in and they would allow people to observe because in their observation, 
And they, and they were to observe from a distance. They were inside, but at a distance from the table. And, and they were to come in and observe because it was a setting in which they were going to listen to the teacher, who was Jesus in this case, the teacher uh, teaching, saying things, giving words of wisdom, and actually kind of helping people to understand uh, and, and, and receive some moral instruction. And so that was just kind of a thing. So that's why she was able to be in there, inside, uh, in the house, at this banquet. Now, what's interesting about this particular circumstance is that, like I said, typically, and when I say typically, I mean like always, the people who were the uninvited guests who were kind of allowed to come in, they were to stay away from the table, away from the main setting, away from where all the people were gathered. They were to stay away from them, and they were to be quiet. So in other words, uh, seen but not heard, uh, just kind of like there, but really not a part of things. Uh, that was really what was to happen. Now, what's interesting is this woman who was there, uh, who was kind of in that set, she was one of these uninvited guests, she broke protocol, didn't she? She broke protocol. Uh, she, she not only stayed, uh, didn't stay away from the table, she actually came to the table and began to do something that would have... Uh, let's just uh, let's just be honest. Would have been pretty awkward. It, it would have been. I mean, it would have been pretty awkward. Can you imagine? And I, I brought my I brought my little table with me. This is my table. All right. I'm a big Buckeye fan. But so pretend this is the table. And I guess I could have used that table. That's probably better. It probably would have, like kept me from falling or anything. But this is the table. Jesus was at the table. And I'm, I'm always thinking about the details of what I read in the scriptures. And honestly, first time I dug into this, I thought, how was she washing his feet? How was she at his feet? You're at a table. Your feet are underneath the table. Was she underneath the table? That, sounds, that seems kind of weird. Uh, was he sitting at the table but had his back to the table? Uh, I, you know, I didn't kind of get it. And so as I studied and as I dug, I realized that when it says he was reclining at the table... It actually means that he was sitting at the table with his feet behind him, and he was leaning on his elbow. I'm going to lean on this and hope it doesn't break, all right? Ah! <laughs> okay, pretend I'm leaning on this. And so he was leaning on the table, his feet behind him. That is how the woman came to his feet, okay? I hope that helps. It helped me. Because I was just thinking, how in the world was she at his feet? I, I don't understand that. Now, you can understand, that being said, how weird this would have been. How awkward this would have been. You know, here's Jesus. He's at the table. He's eating. He's talking. And here comes this lady. And she just comes right over to his feet and begins to cry at his feet. And, and uh, you know, her, her tears are just drowning his feet. And she's taking her hair. And... And you can imagine the awkwardness of this situation. Uh, you know, I, I think it would, it would be pretty awkward. So let's talk about Simon. Simon was, uh, he was the one who had it all together. He was well respected. He invites Jesus to come to dinner. Typically when that happened, typically when uh, someone was invited to a dinner banquet such as this, 
It was to uh, honor them. It was to make sure that they were honored and respected and given an opportunity to, to teach and to, uh, you know, tell people uh, the, the things in which they needed to know and learn and grow in. And so typically that's what it was all about. And people of that time and that culture did this on a regular basis. This was just something, something that they did. And so um, as you think about that, you think... That's really good. That's really nice. Here's this Pharisee, because we always think of the Pharisees as kind of like the bad guys. Uh, here's this Pharisee. He's giving Jesus this honor and stuff. But then through the context of the story, we realize that's not what Simon's motives were. And we know that because of the way that Jesus interacted with him. And so we see that Simon actually uh, completely ignored the rules of etiquette, the typical rules of etiquette that were followed in that day. We know that by the, the kind of the list that Jesus went through with Simon. So first, the, the, there was the uh, customary greeting of an honored guest. It was a kiss. It would have either been a kiss on the cheek or a kiss on the hand. And so uh, when Jesus was talking, uh, he said that Simon didn't give him a kiss. And so, uh, you know, that's something that we don't maybe typically do. We're not, um, I mean, some of you maybe are very kissy people. I don't know. But, <laughs> but we don't typically go around kissing people, especially these days, right? We, <laughs> we don't go around kissing people. But, but really, I guess the best way to understand this, the best way to understand uh, what was being left out here is that let's say that, that we invited someone to our house and for dinner. And when they got there, they knocked on the door. We came to the door. We opened the door, and then we just kind of walked, let them, kind of let them walk in, but just kind of didn't really even say anything, and just kind of like went into the kitchen, and kind of left them on their own. That would be really rude, wouldn't it? That's what ignoring the kiss was like. Okay, so basically, he didn't even greet Jesus. That's pretty bad. Then he left out something that, that, we, uh, that we do in, in the Church of God tradition. We do uh, what we call a feet washing service. Uh, and it's one of the most, really, it's one of the most special services throughout the whole year. And it's, it's special because we get the opportunity to, to kneel down in front of one another and wash each other's feet. And it's an act of love. It's an act of grace. It's an act of serving. And it's beautiful. But it was culturally something that they did. Um, everyone had to have their feet washed before a meal. That was just the thing that they did. They did that. And Jesus tells us that Simon didn't wash his feet. Now, what would have happened, what should have happened, is one of three things. Either Simon should have washed Jesus' feet himself... Or probably more commonly, he should have had a servant wash Jesus' feet. And at the very least, he should have provided a basin of water for Jesus to wash his own feet. One of those three things. Simon left all of those things out. He didn't do any of that. Now, the last thing was the, uh, the oil. And the oil was basically that... Uh, is the third rule of etiquette followed in that day, in that setting, for a banquet setting such as this, 
the host would give the guests some olive oil for anointing their head. And Jesus basically said that it didn't happen. And so uh, olive oil wasn't especially expensive, but it was um, serving the purpose of communicating that the guest was special, the guest was honored, and they were glad for them to be there. So now as we read the text, we find that Simon gave no kiss, offered no washing of Jesus' feet, and gave no oil for anointing. I just want to tell you, there is no way, there is no possible way that that was accidental. There is no way that was accidental. That was on purpose. So we see something going on here. We're not going to get into what motive Simon must have had for inviting Jesus to dinner. We could talk about that, but really that's not the point here today. Jesus was deliberately insulted. Jesus was deliberately ignored. Jesus was deliberately taken for granted. And here's the one that I really want you to grasp a hold of today because I think this was the one that really kind of applies to us and makes us think. Jesus was treated with a casualness like he was just another guy. And that's the one we have to be careful with. That's the one we have to be careful with. Now, I love verse 40. Verse 40 is just great. And uh, in, in verse 40, it says, it says these words. I love uh, these, these words. It says, Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. I want you to look at who's sitting next to you and say, uh-oh. Because when Jesus said that, Simon should have thought, uh-oh. Simon didn't get it. He was like, say it, teacher. But he should have went, uh-oh. Because when Jesus said that, it was in response to what was happening in that moment. You see, when you've been on the wrong side of things in your heart, and Pastor Doug talked about this last week at the end of the service. He talked about how it starts right here and it starts right here, right? When you've been on the wrong side of things in your heart, it's interesting because uh, <laughs> Simon was saying stuff to himself. Do you know that Jesus can hear you say stuff to yourself? <laughs> Simon thought he was saying it to himself. Jesus could hear him. And Jesus can hear us saying things to ourselves. He knows what's here and what's here before it's here. And so, as, as Simon was saying this stuff to himself, he, he said all this to himself, and as soon as he kind of gets done with that thought and saying that to himself, Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Watch out. When Jesus has something to say to us, when our heart has been on the wrong side of things, here comes a rebuke. Here comes a time in which Jesus is going to call us out. And so I love the fact that he just says, you know, Jesus just says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Just real calm. 
Simon wasn't ignorant. He knew what he was doing. He was a Pharisee. He was well-schooled. He knew how to treat people with the customs and the, and the, and the, the things in which they expected. And, and he was most likely uh, a person that treated honored guests in the right way. He was most likely a person that knew how to take, uh, take a, a, a dinner guest and make that dinner guest feel like they're the only person on the face of the earth, like they're uh, really appreciated, really well thought of. He didn't lack means either. So it wasn't that he lacked means to have olive oil for Jesus or a, a tub or a basin or, or water. He had everything he needed to make sure that Jesus was honored. Now, here's what I uh, think that is very interesting when you think about him being a Pharisee. The Pharisees had to commit 300 different prophecies about the Messiah to memory. They knew all the messianic prophecies. They knew all of those prophecies and understood what they were looking for when it comes to the Messiah. They knew uh, all about the Messiah. They not only knew about the Messiah, they were wanting to see the Messiah. They expected the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah. And it's interesting because Simon knew all this. Being a Pharisee, he had all of this knowledge. He had all of this expectation. And it's interesting because the Messiah was sitting at Simon's table. He was sitting at Simon's table. He was uh, the one who... um, Simon had been waiting to see. He was the one who fulfilled those 300 prophecies. The very son of God was sitting at the dinner table in his house, and Simon the Pharisee failed to recognize Jesus, effectively ignored the Messiah, didn't kiss his hand, didn't wash his feet, and didn't anoint his head. And we would all say, Simon, shame on you, right? Shame on you, Simon. How could you miss the Messiah when he's right in front of your face? How could you miss the opportunity to love him and adore him and and give him glory and honor? How could you miss the opportunity to give him everything that you have? And then I wonder, how many opportunities do we miss? I wonder what we can learn from Simon. See, it doesn't matter if we know about Jesus, right? What really matters is if we know Jesus. I wonder if we take his his presence for granted. I I wonder if we're too casual with his grace. Has his grace become so common to us that we fail to be overwhelmed by it. Simon's attitude towards Jesus caused him to be more disgusted by a woman who was present than to be in awe of the presence of Jesus. And boy, that's applicable. Because sometimes I think we get caught up in the way someone looks, the way someone dresses, the way someone acts, We get caught up in things that really don't matter, and we miss the fact that we are in the very presence of God. We come to church, and we have other things on our mind other than the fact that we are here to worship God Almighty. 
to really just give him everything that we have with passion in our heart. We're, we're so focused on the wrong kinds of things. And that's what was going on here with Simon. He was, he was so focused on the, the wrong kinds of things. That woman came to the table and, and came behind Jesus and started weeping at his feet. And Simon just looked right through Jesus at this woman and he missed his opportunity. And it's so easy to miss our opportunity. It's so easy to miss our opportunity. Let's talk about the woman. She's quite beautiful, actually. I don't know how she physically looked, but her heart is gorgeous. <laughs> While Jesus was sitting at the table, like I said, it got a little awkward. This woman who was uninvited, who's supposed to be standing back away from the table, approaches the table. Now, this is one of those scenarios that, uh, you know, it intentionally leaves some gaps in the story. But I believe it's safe to assume that this woman had had some kind of interaction with Jesus before this point. I don't know what it was, but it it seems like she had some kind of interaction with Jesus before this uh, banquet scene, basically. I really truly believe that at some point she had heard him teaching, that she had heard him speaking those words of forgiveness, that she had heard him teaching about being reconciled to God, that she had heard him talking about how the broken pieces of her life could be put back together by the Lord. I really believe that at some point she had experienced already the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the compassion of Jesus. Now, why do I think that? Because when she heard that Jesus was going to be at Simon, the Pharisee's house, she went there. Now, that is not a place she would go. (laughs) That is not a place that she would think, oh, I want to go there. Because she would actually know that going there would be a place that she would actually see and find condemnation. She would find judgment there. She would find people that didn't want her there. She would definitely be an unwanted guest. And yet she went there. Why would she do that unless she already knew, she already understood that this Jesus was different. This Jesus had something for her that she would have been looking for all her life. And so she goes to this this house of this Pharisee, goes into the place where the banquet is taking, taking place, where the table is set, and decides, I'm not going to stand back in the corner and listen. I'm going to go right up to that table. She did all of this because she wanted to express her gratitude to Jesus. The one in which she found grace, forgiveness, love and compassion. And it seems she had a plan in her heart, right? I love the fact that 
what's going on here is that Jesus knows Simon's thoughts and, and he knows his heart and he calls him out. And at the same time, Jesus knows the thoughts and the heart of the lady as well. And he welcomes her. I love that. I believe she listened to Jesus and began to understand that through his grace that her life could be whole again and the pieces of her shattered life could be put back together. This is where she threw all caution to the wind. And what she did was crazy. She left all reason behind and began to cry at his feet. And we talked about that awkwardness. That table would have grown silent as she approached. That table would have grown uh, judgmental, actually, as she approached. Everyone would have had disgusted looks on their faces. Can you imagine? Uh, they're sitting around the table. These are honored guests. It was Jesus, the honored guest, but there were others who were invited, and they were honored guests as well. And so as they're sitting around the table, and she begins to approach, and she begins to go to his feet, and she begins to cry at his feet, I can imagine the people at the table were thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Somebody get rid of her. Somebody tell her to stop. She needs to go. And so everyone was looking at her in disgust. Everyone except Jesus. And Jesus welcomes her with a smile. I want you to think of the contrast of Jesus and the other people at the table. There's a stark difference between the two. The judgmental look contrasted against Jesus' loving look. And as she begins to do what she's doing, uh, it's, it's interesting because Jesus knows her gratitude. Jesus sees her gratitude in her smile. Jesus sees her gratitude in her eyes. Jesus sees her gratitude in her tears. He sees her gratitude in her actions. He sees her gratitude in her heart. And she is overwhelmed by his grace. And this is the really cool part because I want, you to, I want you to realize this. This is really important for you to know. Jesus, she's overwhelmed by Jesus' grace. Jesus is overwhelmed by her gratitude. <laughs> See, I think sometimes we think that we can't move the heart of God. but we can. Jesus is moved by her gratitude. He's, he's impressed by the way she approaches him. And I love the detail of verse 44. I love the detail of verse 44 when it says... Turning to the woman, he says to Simon. Now, I want you to think about that. It, just, it gives me goosebumps as I'm saying. I, I just got to chill. I'm serious. I just got to chill when I said that. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon. So Jesus is, he's there at the table. She's at his feet. And he turns to her and he locks eyes with her as he talks to Simon. 
Now, I, I want you to understand that's affirming. <laughs> that's affirming. Jesus is, is affirming. His, this is an intimate reaction to the woman. This is an affirming reaction to the woman. I, I use that word intimate, and I, and I know sometimes we just misuse that word, and we use it in, in, in just one way all the time with, when we're talking about sexuality. But intimacy is far much more than that. And so I believe that he looks at her, and this, this is an intimate moment between her and he, he and her. And he locks eyes with her, and he begins to say to Simon, these words, and I love these words, uh, it, he says, and I, and I want you to think about it. He's looking at the woman as he's saying this. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much, but the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, okay, so he said all of that. As he looked at her, he said all of that, but now he says to her, still with his eyes locked with her eyes. He says, your sins are forgiven. It's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful moment. It's, it's a moment that her gratitude is being expressed to him. And check it out, his gratitude is being expressed to her. Isn't that fantastic? I, I love it. I, I just love it. Her tears increase as her thankfulness wells up inside of her. Her, her tears fall on Jesus' dirty feet, and her tears soak the feet of Jesus. At that point, maybe she realizes, I, I can't believe it, but they didn't wash his feet. <laughs> and so she begins to wash his feet with her tears and, and take her hair. And, and I want to tell you, <laughs> I want to tell you, this is one of, another one of those customs that were followed. A woman didn't let her hair down in public in that time. It, it just didn't happen. Actually, a woman wore her hair down in front of a man who wasn't her husband. That was considered a very intimate expression. And, and so she let her hair down in front of Jesus, and there was most likely an audible gasp when she did that. And she began to use her hair to wipe his feet, to dry his feet. And I, and I believe people were just like, <laughs> but you see, she was giving him everything. <laughs> she was giving him everything. It, it, she goes on to take perfume, the perfume that she had used in her former life. And she just empties it on his feet. There's great symbolism there. See, when, when we're forgiven, when, when we have experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus and we're forgiven of our sins 
And what scripture says is, is we're, the old has, has been taken away and the new has come. We've been made into a new creation. You see, basically what's the symbolism there is that she's taking that, that perfume and she's just dumping it out on Jesus' feet. I don't need this anymore. It's all for you. And that's what we need to do with our life. When we're saved from our sin, we just need to like dump our life on Jesus' feet and say, it's all yours. It's all yours. I I just want to live this life for you now. I don't want to hold anything back. I want it all to be for you, Lord. That's gratitude. That is gratitude. And I love it. I want to end with some some questions for you, just just some things to think about. When was the last time you were overwhelmed with the sheer gratitude for what Jesus has done for you? I, I I hope it's today. I hope it's like this morning. I hope that when we were singing that song or those songs that you were just like, Pouring it out to Jesus because that's, that's a, a tremendous time to do it. Has the amazing grace of Jesus caught your heart in such a fashion that it brought passion out of you? Has your gratitude for Jesus prompted you to break protocol? <laughs> break protocol. I, I, I love the fact, um, I'm going to talk a, a little bit about the church that, that, we, that we came from, East Canton Church of God. Uh, a sister church to, to our church here. Um, you know, when we, the first Sunday that we were there, uh, there was a song played and, and uh, you know, we, we are, are not people that typically would, would like clap and cheer after a song. But after like the first song that was played, that was just a really great song, man, people were like, ah, you know, they were like, it was like, whoa, breaking protocol here. <laughs> we need to break protocol. When, when the Lord overwhelms us, man, let it out. Let it out. Praise him. Worship him. Thank him. Give him everything. When was the last time you broke protocol? And has, has the grace of God prompted you to use your life for Jesus? Just pour it out on him. I hope gratitude is overwhelming you today. I, I hope that when, uh, when Jesus uh, has touched your life and is touching your life and is moving in your life, that gratitude is just causing you to just give him everything. Not be a, holding anything back. Go to his feet and pour it all. And what's really cool about that is that as you do that, you have the opportunity to overwhelm Jesus. That's so cool. I hope that this morning, as we have been worshiping and, and the Lord has been watching, that his heart is overwhelmed by the gratitude he sees in each one of us for the great things he has done. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Amen.
Heavenly Father, Lord, as we as we end our time here, we're not ending worship. We're not ending worship, Lord. We're we're ending our moment in time here together, but Lord, as we leave this place, we are going to continue to worship you. We are going to continue to live this life of gratitude for all that you have done. Lord, we want to we want to give you so much glory and honor and praise today that Lord, it will touch the very heart of God, that Lord in heaven you will be smiling down on your people and saying, that's my people right there. They're acknowledging all the many things that I've done for them. They're singing my praise and their heart, their heart right now is just bursting and overflowing with thanks and praise and gratitude for me. Lord, as he hears our voices, as, 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 you, as you hear our voices, as you uh, experience, Lord, our praise as you experience our life that's lived for you that lord it will be an overwhelming display of gratitude for how great you are and it will be something that will bring your heart joy lord if there's anyone here today that needs you they need to turn their heart over to you they need you as their savior that today will be that day in which, just like that lady who came and washed your feet, they will experience how you reconcile us, how you forgive us, how you redeem us, how you put the pieces back together, how you make us whole, how you make us new. And they will leave here today 